0: Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will
1: help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Here we are at episode 42. I have Kurt Mortensen here with me, who has brought his A-game with him. Kurt, I understand you were on the road all night from California, and you just got in, and you apparently got no sleep.
0: Woohoo! Yeah, I'm (laughs) running on empty. We did. It was one of those things where we're visiting family, Southern California, having a lot of fun. Sunshine was out. We're like, hmm, do we drive all the way home? Do we take it easy? Yeah, Oh, we can make it home by 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, what with 4 a.m. rolls around. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on empty, and of course, everyone else is asleep, and I get home and can't fall asleep. So if I get a little loopy, a little strange, which is probably normal for everyone, you might just have an extreme case today. You know, you now know why.
1: Everybody's up at seven thirty, eight o'clock, wanting stuff from Dad who got no sleep. That's probably how it went, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. We just barely fall asleep. But, hey, oh, oh, uh, oh. You know that, Joe. You've got to have younger kids than I do. Yeah,
1: I know. We had uh, one of them were potty training right now, and she announced that, hey, I didn't pee tonight, <laughs> right? Well, my wife goes in there about 3 o'clock, and, um, no, not so much. So, yeah, we had to go through some discipline at our house. But I just I set you up at the beginning of the show. You know the concept of a loser's limp, right, where you create an excuse uh-huh. ahead of time? So I just gave you a license to completely stammer all over the place on the podcast today. And you're not taking advantage of it. You sound relatively coherent.
0: No, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm going to go into the deep into the reservoirs and pull out pure persuasion power. How's pure
1: persu. Like yeah, well, you've got to study about the power of of gut instinct. So you got to reach yes. down into there and and really figure it out, right?
0: It's all about that gut instinct, that intuition that makes a big difference. Yeah, that's the geeky article, I guess you would call it.
1: Geeky article um, and an awesome unintentional segue might i add listeners wherever you are please clap your hands for my awesome segue unless of course you're driving keep your hands on the wheel and just you know give me a (laughs) 10 o'clock yeah
0: and two o'clock and of course to the united states listeners happy memorial day and memorial week and hope you're enjoying some fun time in the sun. And of course, at your house, it was Ribble Rama or no, Ribba Fest. What would you call it?
1: It's Ribbapalooza, man. Get it straight. And no, there's
0: pork or beef ribs? You got to talk about food. <laughs> we got to check that out. These are
1: pork ribs. They're baby backs, yeah. and they've been on for about four hours now. I'll take them off here in another 45 minutes and sauce them and throw them on for another hour. And uh, they're going to be good. I can tell.
0: Well, at least I got some good stuff when in California they buried a pig, and that is always. Good eating, and very tasty. But there's our food segment of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into the article. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Interesting. I don't know how we talk about ribs going in to talk about rats. I don't know if there's a correlation there. But anyway, this study actually comes from a university in Zurich, Switzerland, about these rats, that rats have the power of gut instinct. Now, of course, they use rats. They're always using rats. Is that kind of like human behavior? And there's a lot of similarities with brain and how it works in the nervous system. But they found out by studying rats, researchers found that gut instinct is actually a literal thing on how we react to fear and what happens to our insides, what happens to our gut. You see, the brain is viewed as the center of all emotions. So when you look at fear and other threats, a lot of times it's felt in our stomach, known as that gut instinct so that transmitting signal between the brain and the stomach there's this nerve so if you need to know it's called the vagus nerve and this nerve that connects the brain and the stomach sends signals from our brain to our internal organs via this nerve so this nerve sends information from the stomach back to our brain and and vice versa so looking at instinct these researchers actually cut this nerve in rats this meant that rats brains could still control what's happening in the stomach and the abdomen but the brain could no longer receive signals from the abdomen, right, from the stomach. So the researchers found that the rats were less wary of open spaces, bright lights, or comparative danger than the rats that had all their nerves intact. So what this means is, is that this innate response to fear is influenced by signals from the stomach to the brain. How wild is that? Gut instinct is actually true. There's communication between our gut, our stomach, and our brain that causes us to feel that instinct, that impulse, that urge, to know that there's danger around. Now on the opposite approach, if they switch from a negative to kind of a neutral stimulus, something that wasn't dangerous, the rats without gut instinct still took a long time to figure out the sound and the new stimulus and what was going on versus the ones that have their nerve intact. So bottom line, the study shows that the stomach has a say and how we respond to fear and other stimulus. And that's fascinating to me for a couple different reasons. The first is, when I was doing research for the laws of charisma, the one thing that shocked me the most as I interviewed leaders and CEOs and very influential people, charismatic people, the thing that came up again and again and again that I didn't realize would be there was the power of instinct. People following that inner voice, that instinct, that urge, that impulse, they don't talk about it openly because a lot of people don't get it these people, they just use it, they understand it, they listen to those instincts. Because it comes back to that primal brain we've talked about where we had to decide within 30 seconds, friend, foe, is that animal going to be nice to me? Is it going to eat me? We have to decide, follow that instinct, and so a lot of that wiring is still there. You know, these CEOs, they have thousands of pages of data. They could spend two years trying to make a decision, but ultimately, they have to follow that instinct, that urge, that impulse, that intuition. They do as much research as possible, but there's too much data out there. Even now with data and advertising and everything coming at us, we have to make a quick decision. That's the first one. The second one is going to be that segue into our topic of the day as we get into charisma and talk about different aspects of charisma is the topic of congruence, which is also part of that instinct, that old, that intuition that we have right? We just feel people aren't congruent. They're not trustworthy. They're lying. They're being deceptive. What's going on is kind of that alarm bell that goes on. We have to listen. Now, when that alarm bell goes off, don't say, oh, turn it off. I can't hear you. No, listen to the alarm bell. You're picking up things. Your subconscious mind is picking up little micro expressions, things that are happening that are trying to tell you something. And then on the flip side, people are picking up those things about you and what you're saying, Whether it's your true message or not, doesn't matter. There's the message that you think you're sending and the message they are receiving. So, really, what is congruence? So, basically, it comes down to, do your words match your actions? Do your words match your body language? Are you congruent with your life and what you do and what you say? The more consistent and congruent you are in every aspect of your life, the more honest and genuine you're perceived to be. Because if you come across as dishonest or untrustworthy or disingenuine, then all of a sudden people don't trust you. And it doesn't matter what you're offering. They don't trust you. And here's the challenge is a lot of times when you get nervous or your life isn't congruent, maybe you're not lying, but the prospect might think you're lying because you're not congruent with who you are and what you're saying and what you're doing.
1: Well, we just got done talking about gut instinct. I mean people yes fits right sensitive. into that. Yeah, absolutely. Another unintentional segue that worked out <laughs> fits quite right well. In. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what do you do there? What we talked about this a little bit, what if you're not confident or what if you what if you aren't congruent? How do you get there? What do you do?
0: I think it's a process. I think the big thing is is you know, do what you say, be congruent not only in your own life and who you are and what you believe in your value system. But also be aware of some of your non-verbals that could be telling your prospect that you're lying, even though you're not. I mean, the studies are amazing that the wrong cues or gestures could lead to impressions that you're not competent. It could mean you're lacking confidence and credibility. non behaviors affect impressions of even sociability and attractiveness of the speaker. Gestures are poor because when you're not congruent, they convey less immediacy, like lack of eye contact or reduced proximity or space can communicate to someone you don't like them. And you're not aware of that. You're so worried about being congruent or worried about what they're going to think, or maybe it could be coming from a fear that you have and your prospect is processing all this information. Like, oh, they're lying to me. Again, you could be telling the truth, but there are some things that could trigger deception that really show incongruence with you, your message, and what you're offering.
1: I think you would agree with me. In fact, I know you would agree with me that congruence is a subset of trust. And I know for a fact you would. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, because Kurt wrote in his first book, Maximum Influence, about the five C's of trust with congruence being one of those subsets. But I've got this pet peeve and you tell me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but I have this theory that when you first meet somebody in a business atmosphere, they're trying to sell you or you're trying to sell them or whatever. And early on or ever, In the relationship They feel the need to give you this big long speech About how congruent or trustworthy they are And they go on and on I'm a guy who does what he says And says what he does That you should probably head the other direction To me (laughs) congruence is You don't have to say you're trustworthy. Just be trustworthy. (laughs) Right? Am I wrong there?
0: yeah, I I don't do contracts. We do everything over a handshake. Sure you do. Yeah. You're also the one who chopped down the cherry tree and didn't tell a lie, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dave Ramsey. (laughs) You're you're right
0: on. When people keep telling you, oh, yeah, I'm trustworthy, and I did this and did this. But you have to understand that congruence opens the door to influence and charisma, increases your believability and likability, and you attain congruence. When your message is synchronized with your beliefs and your value and it occurs in your voice, body language, words, vocal tones, they all need to be congruent and line and you think you're getting away with it a lot of times, but they're sensing something. Congruence is even more important when your topic is either highly emotional, you're meeting someone for the first time, when your messages are not in agreement or you're coming into a negotiation what's going to be maybe highly volatile. Those are things you need to take a look at first of all, be congruent with who you are it's very difficult to live life. it takes so much brain power to live life, to not be congruent. So first of all, be congruent with who you are and what you believe. And number two, you have to be very, very careful with nonverbals that could trigger deception or incongruence, and you
1: don't even know it. So you could be a congruent person. You may feel it, but you've got some physical habits that are making you look a little shady is that what you're trying to say?
0: Yeah, they could be habits you picked up along the way that you don't know about. They could be habits that maybe increase because you're feeling a little fear or uneasy or unnatural, a little nervous. That could increase it, and you have to be aware of those things. Again, even with trust, I tell people you could be a great trustworthy person and I, and I like that, but it doesn't mean people trust you. You have to earn that, and the same thing's true with congruence.
1: So you said a couple of specific things in your book about these are physical gestures that might tip a hand towards, hey, this person is not congruent, even though you you very well might be, and these are things like forced eye contact, uh, all the time you're looking at them, it's uh, you know creeping them out, right? Why is he so intense? Um, Freaking
0: them out, and that's something about. And I let me add something. To that. I'd say a change in eye contact and what teach that with detecting deception is. A lot of times, people start looking at you more, looking at you less. There's a change, and so sometimes, when there is actual deception, people look at you more because that's the first thing we learn. Oh, they looked away; they must be lying. So I need to look at them. Need to look at them, and all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you're feeling like you're being stared down, and it's and it feels a little unnatural to you. But they keep doing it.
1: Yeah. How about leaning back in your chair? You've got that. Why would that trigger some some bad feelings in the prospect?
0: And maybe you're just getting a little more relaxed. Maybe you're mirroring them, but a lot of times with deception, when you try to back up, take more space than you've had before, backing up, or even if you're standing up, backing up a little bit more, that is a sign of deception and could trigger that within people as far as not feeling that it's right. And Now, your prospect's not going, oh, they just stepped back. They're lying. It's a feeling for most. Now, if you're trained in the art of detecting deception, you might look for three or four things. We call them clusters, because just because... There's forced eye contact or they sit back in the chair. It doesn't mean they're lying. But when you start seeing two, three, four things, now as a power persuader, you, know, you can tell, yep, they're lying.
1: That's so amazing that you have this. It's almost a duel between the subconscious minds of yourself and your prospect, right? You you don't feel congruent about something, so you're backing up or you you're kind of have this general backward motion because your subconscious is not on board with what you're doing or saying or how you're living your life. And it's sending this message to you physically of, get out of here. This is not congruent. And the subconscious of the prospect is picking up on it, going, there's a problem here. There's a disconnect here. I just think it's amazing how, how much the subconscious mind speaks what your real intentions are and what you really believe through this body language. And that's why it's so important, like you say, to control the use of your hands and your where your shoulders are and where your feet are, because these are the things that tell us everything about what an untrained person is thinking.
0: You're right on even on the flip side, it's almost like your subconscious has the fire alarm going off. Woo, woo, like, turn the fire alarm off. I can't listen. <laughs> and we miss sometimes these obvious gestures or things that people are doing, like rubbing or touching their lips. Anything to do with the face, because there's people get nervous or, a lot of times there's increased blood flow to the face. Pupils will dilate. Yawning's an interesting one. Pitch of the voice. I mean, there's a variety of things that you're looking for that could be happening because they're incongruent or deceptive or sometimes we're nervous or full of fear or we just start doing them some people just yawn all the time that's who they are some people always touch their face that's who they are that's why you need to be trained to really clue in on these things if you're looking at your prospect but you also be aware as a presenter and a speaker that if you're always touching your face that could be a red flag to your prospect's subconscious mind
1: yeah, also another way to shield your face or shield your words from the person because you don't believe them. Or maybe you just don't believe in them strongly enough. We mentioned a book a few podcasts ago, Pitch Anything by Orrin Claff, And I think I've heard various authors on the subject of persuasion reference this throughout the years, but he calls it the croc brain, right? that that uh, caveman brain that you referenced it earlier in the show today. The the caveman, we're, we're running away all the time and we're based on these primal instincts. And that's what really is taking over when you do these things that make people nervous. They can't critically analyze what you're saying and think about it in a constructive way. They, they're they run by emotions like fear or, or love or lust or whatever it may be.
0: That's exactly right. That brain... Everything is filtered through our primitive brain, the croc brain, the caveman, whatever you want to call it. So we call it a lot of things, the amygdala. And it filters it in such a way that we have those feelings, those instincts, those emotions that when we listen to them, it really skews the message a lot of times. And what you are attempting to deliver to your prospect could be very, very different than what they're actually getting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Anything else on congruence before we move on to our pal, Homer?
0: Well, first of all, identify your values. Be congruent with your life and who you are, number one. And number two, watch your gestures, your body language, your vocal tones. You know, are they congruent? Now, the best, and as we all know, the most painful way is to record yourself. Watch yourself. Have other people watch yourself. And you'll be surprised that when you can do that and get feedback and watch it, you'll become more congruent, especially for the things you don't even know that you're doing. Because what you think you're doing and really doing are two different things. I've trained a lot of speakers And there's a big disconnect because when they watch themselves like, oh, I didn't know I did that, I did that. And it could really help your message and your congruence and not make the mistake of doing some of those nonverbals that trigger deception or incongruence.
1: Definitely, definitely. All right, cue him up.
0: Bring it on, Homer! (laughs) Don't, don't, don't!
1: There he is, our buddy Homer, and you've got it this week, Kurt. This one is, is a good one that would kick that crock brain in on <laughs> passengers on commercial airlines. I know it would for me if I heard this because it just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Tell us uh, what happened to you the other day.
0: Well, for our study listeners, you remember I was talking about verbal packaging. It's one of the 12 laws of persuasion where every word you use will attract or distract from you or your message and your ability to influence. And a lot of pilots, a lot of airlines have their pilots go to vocal training to make sure they don't down and up. They make sure, They're very careful with the words they use. And we have a lot of fun with this and the different things they say and they shouldn't say and they do say. So they've been trained not to say the plane is broke, right? Because that would be a bad trigger word. That's a subconscious trigger word. They don't say, oh, ladies and gentlemen, the plane is broke. So the pilot gets in, and I don't know, I guess it's plus one point, minus 10 points with what he said. He came in in a very nice, booming, commanding voice. So his voice was very confident, very trustworthy, and I would even say a little congruent. He said, ladies and gentlemen, we have good news and bad news. The bad news is we are having mechanical difficulties, right? Did that right. Then he says, the good news is the ground crew has found the manual and they're attempting to fix it now. (laughs) 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 Woo! So good. Plus one point for not saying broke. But now all of a sudden we're visualizing, A, people on the ground, B, needing what they need, a manual, they have people on the <laughs> ground who need a manual to fix the plane. So imagine what's happening in the the imaginations and subconscious and the visualization of all the passengers on that plane where they see the ground crew looking at the manual. Okay, <laughs> is that part A or part B? And you put that here. It says we need a screwdriver. Well, You, you know what that is?
1: <laughs> oh, the imagery that it yeah. that it gets.
0: So maybe not enough training for the airlines. We won't name the airlines, but... Plus one point for not saying broke, but minus minus a 1,000 for attempting. Hey, I mean, there's so many things wrong with that. Found the manual, attempting, okay, that's not a very powerful word. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: there's so many things wrong with that, and you know it's freaking people out. And I was on that plane, and it did freak people out.
1: Attempting, that's what the announcers say when a guy's going to do a big, crazy ski jump, and he has a chance of (laughs) falling on his head and breaking his neck. I don't want to attempt to take off to Chicago.
0: It's like your friends saying, yeah, I'll try. I'll try to be there. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, I'll attempt it when when I get a chance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I get to see that ground crew with their their earphones on, rooting through some old duffel bag with a bunch of old wrenches and bolts. And they... Oh hey, here it is. Here it is, guys. The manual. <laughs> so
0: it's like that doctor you were talking about who's looking everything up on his iPad because he didn't know what it was. Like, hello. Yeah, he was please Googling
1: go, something. Yeah. Please
0: go outside and pretend you know. Yeah, say you're <laughs> going uh, to call some associates. Fix it now, and you need a manual. Just say we'll be ready to go in thirty minutes. That's all we need to know. That's <laughs> that's the TMI, too much information. You're freaking everybody out. So that is the blunder of the week. We
1: like the sausage. We just don't want to see how it's made.
0: Exactly. Yeah,
1: well, that's a good one. That's a good blunder. (laughs) (laughs) Just know, everybody, next time you fly, the friendly skies. I think that's a United uh, trademark. Sorry about that, United.
0: it used to be. I don't know if they still use it, but anyway, go I've ahead. flown
1: them a few times in the last month, and it's not so friendly up there. <laughs> but uh, see, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not below. I'm, is it below or above? I'm not one of the. I'm not above naming the airlines. So, well, if you're in the air, it's above. If you're on the ground, it's below. Now we're thoroughly confused, but <laughs> but just know that there's guys clanking around with wrenches down there, looking at a manual, and, and your life is in their hands.
0: Yeah. So next time we hear a strange sound, you know they have a manual, and they're going to attempt to fix
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just like when you go to Best Buy or something, and you ask somebody, hey, does this projector have X, Y, and Z feature? And he goes, oh, and he pulls the box down, and he starts reading the box.
0: How many gigs does this computer have? Oh, I don't think it has gigs. It's a PC. Okay. Oh,
1: Oh, geez.
0: Yeah, when you know more than the other person, you just say, look, I could pull the box down. I mean, hello. I
1: know. Hey, you know, electronic store chains, computer chains, you got to get your people to stop that. That's just the worst when they just start reading the box to you. Come on.
0: Yeah, duh. You want to go to the dentist? Hey, do I need? Oh, let me look at the box. (laughs) (laughs) Look at the manual. Let me Google that for you. All right. Thank you for that. I know. I know.
1: Well, All right, anything else you want to say before we shut her down for Memorial Day, Kurt? Well, congruence. Be congruent. Now, again, there's two
0: parts. Be who you are. Find your value system. Be congruent to your beliefs. And then you're naturally more congruent. People like you more. They want to be around you more. You're more believable and more trustworthy. Number one. Number two, take a look at your presentation because I know you're letting some of those nonverbals creep in that, You may not know they're there. That could trigger that deception, trigger that incongruence that could really hurt your message because you have to earn trust and congruence, like you mentioned, is part of the five C's of trust. And when you can add that and bring that together and understand how that works, it makes a big difference in who you are. And we see this all the time, even with doctors and nurses, I think we mentioned this before when. During the Korean War, they ran out of morphine, right? We've talked about placebos, how placebos work 30 to 50% of the time, and it was interesting that the soldiers needed painkillers, and they'd run out of morphine, and they decided to pretend to give them these placebos of morphine so they could at least sleep, and when the nurse gave these placebos, it worked really well, and when the doctor gave them, it didn't work at all. I'm like, what's going on? Well, it was, they found out that the nurse didn't know it was a placebo, and can we pick up those micro gestures that you talk about? They, the soldiers picked up something was wrong and they felt pain. That So the nurse gave it. They thought they were actually giving a morphine and it worked. The doctor knew. The doctor thought they were doing everything that they were supposed to do. But the soldier would pick up in those little micro expressions and they would feel pain.
1: That is absolutely amazing. The The mind is it's an amazing thing and we continue to learn so much more about it every day. It'll be really interesting to see 30, 50 years from now how much more we've discovered, because I think there really is a ton of unharnessed horsepower within the human brain.
0: Think about how wild is that, that placebos work almost half yeah. the time? wow. That in a lot of medical studies, the placebo does better than the actual drug? I mean, just think about how powerful the mind is to heal ourselves and the just the law of expectations that we've talked about. It's a powerful thing that when we believe it, it works.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, good. Thanks for those uh, final thoughts, Kurt. We're going to wind it down for the day, everybody. We like your ninja suggestions, your blunder suggestions, and anything in general you have to tell us, questions, stuff that you want us to talk about on the show. Email those to maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. And we appreciate we're starting to get uh, some reviews showing up on iTunes. And we certainly appreciate you doing that. Please do it more and more. It uh, is good for us. It allows us to keep plugging away and and making the show better and better for you. We hope you're enjoying the show, and by the looks of the numbers coming in, you are. Especially the listeners in Iran. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they they got passed by some uh, other countries now. Australia and the United Kingdom are waking up. So, oh, good. Yeah. good. yeah, come on, spread, guys. You speak English. You can light. outdo the Islamic <laughs> Republic of Iran. All right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. We appreciate it as always. We're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, Blackberry, Windows Marketplace, all of those, or just go ahead and listen at maximizeyourinfluence.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you again next week. Have an awesome week.